I am so happy that you are listening to Just Breathe. It is my most sincere hope that it empowers you and helps you feel less alone on this journey. If you are looking for more personal and more personalized help, I am now offering coaching services. Text BREATHE to 55444 to learn more. That's B-R-E-A-T-H-E to 55444 to learn more. Oh, everyone, you are in for a treat. I am interviewing today Sally Thornton and the words of wisdom that she speaks around the questions to ask yourself as an entrepreneur, the question around, you know, are you working to live or living to work and so much other good information for all of us that's like that inspo that is just so like down deep in your bones. You're going to you're going to know what I'm talking about. But there's also a really heartfelt relaunch that she's going to share. You're going to want to grab a tissue box. It is it's something that, you know, you only hope you never have to go through. So, it's my pleasure to bring this episode to you now. You're listening to the Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hillary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories, revealing how you too can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible. Hey there, and welcome to the Silver Lined Relaunch. And today, I have somebody near and dear to my heart. You are going to absolutely want to take some time out of your busy day and hear this conversation. Sally Thornton is a powerhouse, and she has had some of the most insane relaunches, And it has built her to this point where, you know what, she's got grit, she's got grace, and you are going to have so many takeaways after this conversation. So Sally, thank you for joining after 15 years of knowing you and admire you and respecting you and everything about you. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. I'm so honored. When you said like, go to this, I'm like, hell yes. <laughs> I love talking with you. Well, it's just so fun. And, you know, we've, we've had a great, you know, relationship, not only in business world, but personally. And I would love to ask you, as we go into this conversation and we start talking about the relaunch. Mm-hmm. And there's usually for many people that significant relaunch that can sometimes change the trajectory of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm going to go there, but can you, before we dive into that, can you share a little bit about your story, about how you came to be this, you know, phenom? And then we'll dive into that big relaunch. 
Sure. It was interesting because I love your premise so much um, because there are so many relaunches. I had to really think about like, which one would we talk about? Um, so I guess the, the, the quick story um, is like the first relaunch was, was graduating from the University of Minnesota. I grew up in Minnesota. Um, my boyfriend at the time broke up with me for awful reasons. He's like, anyway, long story. And so I moved to <laughs> I New think York. we all have one of those, right? <laughs> right. Awful reasons. So, so when I moved to New York, it was like my first, like, I got to just restart. Right. I didn't even want to be in the same city as him. Um, and what's great about New York is you can just start over. Right. So that was like super fun. And I learned to walk fast and talk fast and work all of the time. Um, and I met my now husband, um, and he was working in investment banking and I was working in consulting and we worked all the time, which we thought was super normative because also from the Midwest, like we just value work. Like I was like picking strawberries when I was 15, um, in Minnesota because just work felt so good. Like you just felt like you had value, um, when you did work. So that's key to my story because then when, um, my husband ended up going to Stanford business school, we. I moved out when he graduated and then I moved into Silicon Valley and I got to relaunch again in terms of like going from consulting, which was very like, you know, big towers in Manhattan to like the scrappy Silicon Valley and how do I adjust to that? And so I went in-house to a, a tech company um, that was bringing voice over IP and DSL to the, to the masses and it was so energizing. And I thought I was so important because I was figuring out stock options for executives and I really believed that working all the time brought me value and my husband was at McKinsey. So we worked all the time. Then what happened was my mom was turning 60 and she said, you know, uh, I want to do something, but I'm not sure what. So my sister and brother said, let's surprise her. You fly out and we'll do a little party for her. But I thought I was very important. And I was like, I'm not sure I can do this and I'm pregnant and can't we just like, you know, do it some, some other way. And they said, no, they said, get on the plane. And I'm the baby. So I flew out, we went to her party. Um, it was great. And then I came back and um, I was eight months pregnant and my dad called and said, um, your brother has been killed. He was 37 and it was a total shock. I was filled with hormones. I was like, you know, having this baby and I'm like, this can't be true. So I flew out to the crash site. It's still burning. Um, and my mom basically said to me like, Hey, you're, you're doing, you're killing it at work. I'm so proud of you. She's a feminist, but I just lost my first son and you're about to have your first son. So rethink work. So that was my first relaunch. And it made me like, look at everything, like question, like what is the point of this hard work? Like I want to do good work, but I want to not, lose someone in my life and feel like I almost missed seeing him at my mom's party. Like I almost didn't go to that party because I was so committed to my work. So that was my first. So then I started a company. Well, let wait, wait, wait. <laughs> okay. okay. Before we, before we go on, um, mm -hmm. you're how old when this happens? I was 31. Okay. 31 years old. You're eight months pregnant. Mm -hmm. You, as you said, you're, you know, you're in scrappy Silicon Valley. You're, you're working till your eyes bleed. Right. Cause that's what we all did. Just, you know, it was like, that was your power trip. Just grinding. Go, go, go. go. Awesome. And your, your mom says, 
hold on. Yeah. Hold on. This, I, I, I have to have you here. This is what is important. And you thinking like, I really don't want to. I mean, I was pregnant. I don't want to get on a plane. I don't want to do all this. And then you do it. You fly home and you get this call. Mm-hmm. So your entire life at that point, really, I mean, we're not even, it's, it's the reset, but it's just, it got flipped. I mean, you, as you said, you had your hormones going through you and you had just lost your brother. Mm-hmm. And as you said, you had to then get back on a plane and go out and see the site. And I mean, all this. So when you are going through this, when you're, I mean, even flying, I can't even imagine you being on that plane, having to go all those hours back out to, you know, you had just flown back and now you're going right back out. Can you tell us really what was, what was going through your mind at that point about life? Yeah. I mean, it is the stages of grief. It was like shock, right? Because he's my big brother and big brothers stay with you, right? They're your protector. Um, you don't think you're going to lose a sibling. You know, you're going to eventually lose your parents, right? But you don't think you're going to lose a sibling. And he felt strong and almost impenetrable because he had leukemia when I was 12 and he survived it. He was the only survivor in his um, ward because leukemia back then was very, they had only experimental drugs. Um, So I really thought he was like, I don't know, like a God. (laughs) So, so this was, it was shock. I was just in shock and I, I didn't, I couldn't imagine a different life. You know, it was awful. Um, So that's the thing, like back to like relaunch, like I had to reimagine a whole nother life of like, okay, he's not going to meet my kid. He's not going to protect me if something goes wrong in my life. It was awful. Yeah. (laughs) So, so you're, you're really at this point where you're reassessing everything. You're thinking like what, what really matters in life. Yeah. Yeah. What's the point? Like I I remember going to the grocery store in Redwood Shores and being Mm -hmm. like, how do people just buy groceries? Like, why is everyone in a, I felt like everyone was in a trance. It was just like, taking everything for granted. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, the way grief hit me was very, um, like I felt like I was on a drug that I was like, you know, we were in the matrix or something. Yeah. So yeah, it made me question everything I believed. I find that when you lose somebody, it, it really, especially whether it is a parent or whether it's a sibling or a child, and this is from all of the you know conversations that I've had, and it's from personal experience losing my mom, you know, fairly suddenly, yes. um, just recently. I was almost like I felt the same, where I was like, "What am I really doing? Yes. Like, what?" what? everything seems so trivial. It's like people would call me and they'd be, you know, saying something. I'd be like, do you understand? In my mind, I was like, do you understand? I I just lost somebody so near and dear, somebody that I love so much. And there was, there was anger inside of me 
that this had this had happened. Yes. And did you find that it took you time to get over that part of it where it's like, you know, their lives were cut short. What's the reason behind it? What's the purpose? What, you know, what am I supposed to be gaining from this experience? Because it freaking sucks. Yeah. Um, the trivial part that you mentioned is huge. I have not lost that. So I am changed forever. That trivial stuff does not bother me. Um, I genuinely don't engage in gossip because I just find it like worthless. Um, and I don't judge other people. So it's interesting. Like I come from a place of compassion. So when I see people who are working all the time or feel like they're in a trance doing things that I would consider trivial, I don't see them as less than, I just see them as they haven't had that experience yet. Um, and I'm almost kind of like, good for you. <laughs> You know, so, so it doesn't come in that bubble as long as you can. (laughs) Um, But for me, when it pops, it's really, really bad. Yeah. You can't go back. It's like, you can't unsee what you've seen. You can't unfeel um, the priority shift. So, so it's, it changed my career to being like, I'm going to be in control of my time. I'm going to be not asking for permission to see my kids in corporate America. Like, oh, may I please go to my doctor's appointment for my child's wellness check? Like, it made me change everything, and I've not ever gone back. Um, So let's let's talk about that. So (laughs) what came from it is you ended up having your your child, your son, Mm -hmm. and then how long did you stop working at that point? Did you say, Hey, I'm it's a, it's a complete reset. What, what was your process there? It was, uh, like, like mind opening. How might we rethink work so that it is not in conflict with life? So you were saying, I want to control time. I, you know, don't want to be asking if I'm going to go to an appointment. I want to be in control of. I want to be in control. And And, and not of plane crashing. Like I I still recognize my humanity and the fact that life is super precious and I don't have control over that. But whatever I can have control over, which is the people in my life I love, I am going to have that be the priority and not ask for permission to see the people I love right? Which is typical corporate America. Like I need to take this day off. Is that okay? If I do this thing, like that was like, just seemed so like 1700s to me. (laughs) So, um, so I didn't know how to change corporate America other. So I started my own thing. It was like, you know, I joked that like, if I had had a mental breakdown in, in Minneapolis where I grew up, I probably just would have been drinking a lot, but in Silicon Valley, when you have a mental breakdown, your idea is let's start a company. (laughs) Like that's the way to go. Okay, this is so, can I tell you something? That is so true. I was, going, I was going through a divorce and I'm like, I need to get out of this. I need to start a brand new company. I need to, <laughs> I need to start a, you know, a, a security company to keep kids safe online. Darn it. That never needs to happen right now. Exactly. This is okay. definitely work therapy. So entrepreneurship. So now you are, you've had this enormous, significant relaunch in your life. And it has rocked you to your inner core. And now you're saying, all right, I got to build up the foundation again. I got to, I got to rethink everything. And so you started 
this business and tell us about what you've been doing and about that relaunch because that's significant as well. Yeah, and there's two in there actually. So the first is Flexperience. That was the first business 15 years ago. It was experienced professionals who wanted to do flexible work. Pedro actually, our mutual friend, helped me name it. <laughs> and um, and it was wonderful for me because it was mission driven. You know, let's reimagine the future of work. So I started researching the future of work. I started uh, thinking about a book, which got me in front of people who should not have given me the time of day because I was interviewing them about the future of work. And I started to work with Stanford um, about the future of work. So with Stanford Clayman, which is the gender research arm of Stanford, they're social scientists. They were educating me. It was just this beautiful community of, of learning and collaborating around reimagining work. Right. Because from a social science perspective, 15 years ago, there were like even fewer women in leadership. Like it, the, the, the challenge around gender equity has been, you know, we know a problem and a stalling for a long time. And so Stanford claim and the leaders there were so excited that I was interested in starting a company that would help to solve it. So they asked me to be on the board that really informed my work. It was this beautiful virtual cycle of, how do we learn and do together, right? So that was Flexperience. And I had two co-founders because I didn't believe in myself as an entrepreneur. I didn't get an MBA. My husband did Stanford, right? I went to University of Minnesota. I have an undergraduate degree in international relations. <laughs> I was working in, you know, corporate in terms of like HR and compensation. So I'm, I love math. I, you know, I love spreadsheets. I understand human issues with HR but I didn't know how to run a business, right? I was advising other people, right, about business. So, so I had to- The whole idea of who am I to do this? Oh, 100%, oh, 100%. Especially when we start to think about, you know, the counterparts of a, of a man and how they, you know, they don't need, but we felt like we had to have all yes. of, you know, we don't have this, we don't have that, but you had this experience that said, hey, I, I need to reimagine what the future of work looks like yeah. for myself yeah. <laughs> and for everyone else out there. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the beauty of having co-founders is you have people to, to bounce ideas off with, you have a tribe, right? We, it was, there were three of us. Um, so there was a lot of beauty in it and a lot of tension because you have different risk profiles. You have different ways of thinking about how we should pay people, how we should, um, which clients we should do first, like the priorities, you know, it's just, it's tough. It's like a marriage without the sex. <laughs> and, and then there's three of us. Many co-founders in the past that totally, absolutely, it is, so, it is a marriage. It's a sexless marriage. For sure. is, which apparently is common. I don't know. <laughs> so it was a three-way sexless marriage. Um, so it was really tricky and I adored them and we learned a lot together and it was really hard. So, so after five years and we had like, oh, I want to so name the clients, but now that this is public, I can't, we had really cool clients, like the top tech giants, top consumer product companies, but only like beginning the kindling of the wood of the revenue. And so my co-founders, you know, after five years were like, it's just not enough. It's exhausting to be an entrepreneur. The money is not great in the first few years. You're working for sweat equity and you wonder, will it pay off, right? So they decided this is not for us. 
And I totally respected that. Entrepreneurialism is not, I mean, you don't know until you try, right? So, so they decided to close the business right at the time that my husband had um, been uh, let go th through an M&A acquisition. So he didn't have a job. And my dad was diagnosed with colon cancer. I was the primary income. And they were like, we'd like to close the business. And I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, uh, <laughs> not right now, I hope. Yeah. So, so I said to my husband, I was like, all right, either, and the kids were young. I was like, either I'm going to drink because this is just like super stressful or I'm going to do yoga teacher training on the weekends. Um, and he was like, I would like the second <laughs> option. <laughs> so I had this sabbatical period where because of a non-compete, even though they were not starting another business, so there was no competition. It was very odd emotionally to go through that. I had, I couldn't work because of the business was winding down. My husband wasn't working. So I just did yoga teacher training. Okay. So Sally, how long was this where you were? Six months. Six? Yeah, yeah. Six months. And it was the longest six months of my life. Cause remember me, like I am like, go, go, go. And oh, by the way, with no money. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so super stressful, but I used that time to talk to all of my clients and say, Hey, should I, this is actually really good insights from, I think from a relaunch perspective that other people could use is what I'm doing actually valuable to me? Or are you just being nice? What elements are the most valuable? What do you wish I was doing that I'm not doing? Like it, it allowed me to almost become a researcher again for version two of what I wanted to build. Mm, and, okay, let's just go back over that. Is it valuable? What is the most valuable part? And is it worth doing? Should I be doing this? These are right. all questions that we should constantly as an entrepreneur be asking ourselves. Right. Because this is the you know foundation. We get so caught up in having the business going, going, going. You were given this opportunity of, hey, was right. what I was doing worthwhile? Right. Is there a business there? Got it. Right. right. And, or should I pivot in this direction or that direction? Like I was forced to think and pause, which was really hard. <laughs> but like, you know, sometimes boundaries create more creativity, right? I'm actually a big fan of boundaries, but at the time I did not like the boundaries. <clears throat> Very angry. Well, and, and you being forced to think and pause is, is I mean, that's like a snowball going down a hill. <laughs> don't roll down. Don't get any bigger. Right. Yeah, it was painful. Um, so, so, so that came up with, um, so this is another sort of insight for, for people who are interested. Uh, I surround myself with people who I just adore intellectually, emotionally, like spiritually. And I just asked them all, like, what should I do? And I'm, my Midwestern roots, um, for those of who are not from Midwest, like humble, like you don't think you have all the answers. I certainly didn't think I had all the answers. Um, and so by getting the wisdom of all the people around me, the answers were, came, became clear. You need to do this. No one else is doing this. Um, you need to name it something that takes away the stigma of flexibility because I was a little too early in naming it flex experience because flexibility still had a stigma that you were not the ideal worker, that person who's all in and working all the time. Mm. And so I would get a lot of clients who'd be like, well, but why do they want to work flexibly? Because the really good A players are really, really busy all the time. And I'm like, no, there are actually a lot of A players who want something in between 80 hours of work 
or staying at home with young kids or aging parents. So, so I, I was pushing this boulder uphill around the social science and like, why, why fight that fight? So I had some wonderful gurus in branding, David Ocker, Jennifer Ocker, who are neighbors, dear friends, um, and advisors. And they helped me name it for which is my brother's name. So it sounds like McKinsey or Bain. It has no stigma, mm. right? It just sounds like a professional services firm, um, but it has heart and it has a story and it, and it keeps me grounded because, you know, sometimes when I'm in a room of founders, I feel less than because I'm not working 80 hours a week. I, I think a big full week is 50. <laughs> like 50 is a lot for me. Um, I'm much more about output than I am about input. And when, because I wasn't venture funded, I wanted to be in back to my control issues. I did not want um, someone else giving me money and telling me how I should spend it. That to me felt like co-founders, right? I wanted to decide that I wanted to pay my people well. I wanted to decide how fast we would grow. I wanted to decide what risk we were going to take. And anytime I would take money, I knew that would go away, right? I would. Lose. I mean, this is why this is why I so admire you. I mean, the correlation your company name, I, I sit here and I think, gosh, a year ago, year, year, maybe year and a couple months, people were like, relaunch, what a weird name. Like, why? Isn't it a relaunch, something like something negative? Why would it, why would you want to admit that you're doing a relaunch? And I remember thinking like, no, this just feels right because yeah. it's honest. We yeah. all go through relaunches. I mean, and so I'm hearing you. And as you said, taking in money feels like you have co-founders and that's not where you wanted to be. I'm doing the same thing. This time I am I am single, solo, entrepreneur. I make the decisions. I'm not taking in any capital and my god, the groundswell is happening because the relaunch is happening. And so when you say Forche and how that represents something to you down deep. When you walk in, you have that, you know why you're there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, I love that. Yeah. But, but, but I also have to embrace the healthy tension because I still can feel less than, right? I am a human. I get the social science. We look at our normative. Most companies are venture funded or there's just a sexiness to it. And so like I would be at an all raise event, right? For women founders. And it's mostly venture funded but we're trying to do gender equity. And so whenever they would talk about the venture side, I was like, well, I don't, I don't belong in that conversation, right? Um, and so there is a weird, you have to, I have to, I should say, continually see it. Oh, that is tension and decide for myself, I don't want that. It's okay that I can feel less than, you know, speak it, right? This is the emotional intelligence, like name how I'm feeling and let it go. Like, okay. But that, well, let it go, but then also be thinking, all right, give me evidence of who's done this that I am impressed with. Well, you've got Sarah Blakely Spanx, right? She didn't take a single dollar, now has a billion dollar company. And this is feasible. This yeah. is possible. This, yeah. is, this is exactly what we all need to be doing is saying, you know what? I don't need to just because others are doing it. Yeah, I don't need to do this. I you are now charting your own course, right? And yes, there are the limiting beliefs that creep up, like, ooh, should I be doing this? Am I putting too much in? Am I, you know, is my profit margin, you know, where it should be? Am I reinvesting as much as I should? 
but you know, and you said, you know, you're trusting yourself now. Yeah. Trusting, And my God, your brother is with you. Oh, I love this. <laughs> he would love to have all the attention that I'm giving him. <laughs> he would love it because I talk about him all the time. Um, yeah. So, so I think that's for me, the, the, the North star is what helps me when I'm in, like, I remember when Reed, Reed, um, Hoffman was giving a talk at like Commonwealth club and I stood up as I always do during the Q and A and I asked my question, you know, why is the all in model the only founders you'll back? And by the way, this was before he was doing a good job around gender equality for founders. And I said, I think you will find more women if we don't keep presenting this hero mindset that you have to sacrifice everything because socially that does not work for more women. More women still have the responsibility for kids and aging parents. So by definition, you are creating bias in your channel. And I remember his answer was, well, I just want, I don't want my competitors of my founded businesses to have people who are working 80 hours a week, but my businesses, my founders are not working 80 hours a week. So it was this weird competition um, that he was seeing. And, and, and honestly, he's a brilliant person who's doing a lot of good work. If I didn't have a North Star of that grounding experience that like that is not what feels right to me, I would have listened to him, right? Because that's it. It's the hustle. It's the like all the media people who talk about work, like Elon, work, 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 work. Just don't sleep, you know, don't have friends, don't exercise, don't take care of yourself. And I just had a different experience. So for me, I had to keep saying like, okay, I can still do a business that is on my terms. I am creating value for all the people around me. It can be a triple bottom line. It can be a virtuous cycle. And I just had, but like, I have to say it a lot because it is not normative. It's but not how we still do success. But this is why it's so beautiful that you were reimagining the future of work. And that is not working till your eyes bleed. That is not 80 hours. And it was interesting. I was on uh, listening to a clubhouse this morning yeah. about the difference between a lifestyle company and an empire. And they were defining it. And I had never thought of it in those terms that, you know, what is it that you are looking to really create? Are you looking to sell the business? Are you looking to continue to grow it into, you know, a massive group? But when you talk about Reed Hoffman, you talk about the investors, they're looking for the unicorn. Yeah. That's what they want. That's what they want to invest in. Right. Right. And it, it, I sit there and I'm like, there are so many powerful, powerful businesses out there that have created the right lifestyle. They've right. created the lifestyle for the founder, right. but it's almost like to their detriment in the eyes of these big investors, like, oh, you're not working 60, 70, 80 hours. It's like, no, because success to me is my lifestyle and right my business that is giving back, that is helping people. It's just, I, I love what you're saying here because it's so, it resonates so much with me. Well, thank you. And I would love for you and the listeners to give us feedback on a different word for lifestyle because I was in this conversation with an HBS professor um, around the difference between the unicorns, like, and she was doing a, a case study on Amazon 
And then she had a, a, a case studies on lifestyle businesses. It was literally one or the other. To me, back, this is, we had this conversation like seven years ago. A lifestyle business could be like, I have a cute shoe shop for kids shoes. Maybe I break even, maybe I make a little bit of money. I just want to be engaged in our community, but it isn't actually creating work for others. It isn't like I can create wealth for myself. Like it's not a wealth building event. Right. And it's, and it, you know, that's how I had seen lifestyle. That's how she was talking about it from an HBS perspective. And I was like, um, I'm sorry. What's in between that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. We got the black and we've got the white, but the gray zone. Can we talk about exactly. that? Exactly. I look pretty good in gray. So. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, I'm kind of in the gray zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so she actually didn't have an answer for me. So she gave me a one hour follow-up just one-on-one -on -one, because this was in a big CEO forum. And I was, again, the person raising my hand going like, I'm sorry. Like, I would like to explore in between that. And she was like, I will do a one-on-one -on -one with you. She couldn't come up with it. No. She's a great, she's a wonderful professor. She was like, I don't know. And I was like, I think that there's something there and I don't have the answer. Sometimes all I have is like reasonably good questions, <laughs> but like there's something in between. And I think that the in-between is us, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's what's in between. It's a business that is impacting Mm -hmm. right? We are making an impact in the world, mm -hmm. but if it's not going to be uh, Elon Musk, you know, billion, billion, billions and all yeah. that owning the market space, there is, it's almost like we have to have a tiered system. Okay. Yes. We're not going to get into this right now, but you and I should be coming up with a tiered system because there is something to be said here yeah. that it's not just the lifestyle. And I sit here and I talk a lot about what does success mean to yes. me? Yes. And success is having a lifestyle that you're really fired up about. That yeah. you're really like, that's success. When you've got your business, you've got your relationships, you've got yourself and you're feeling like, yeah, I've got the foundation. I've got the core and you're on that trajectory for happiness. I mean, that yeah. is like, boom. But then if you sit there and say lifestyle, ah, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, that I'm not sure we want to take it that way. Anyway, yeah. different conversation, different day, but, <laughs> but we need to go down this path because we need to be coining, naming, doing something there. Yeah. But I want to ask you, so at this point, as we're wrapping up, what are you specifically working on right now that you'd like to share with people? Mm. I'm really working on a holistic way to look at work with my clients. So I work with big tech, startups, consumer products, biotech. It doesn't matter because it's human-centered work, right? Around practical ways in which they can build teams. So that means interim uh, executive work that we do, executive search with a diverse slate, so that's building teams, or improving the way teamwork happens. So that's inclusion and diversity consulting. That's how do we help managers who are burning out or employees who are burning out because we need to create constraints around collaboration and we need to bring in the science of work with practical strategies that make work better. That's what I care about. Stop the burnout. <laughs> Stop the working 70, 80 hours a week. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. 
Okay. So as we wrap up, I always like to do some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. I know you're about to go out and work out and I'm going to get you jazzed out. All right. Thinking about these things. Okay. So if you were to put a name and you're not a lifestyle company right. and you're not an empire at this point, what name right now would you use to describe your business? Growth and impact. Yes. I was literally thinking for you, it would be impact for, I, I just, that's, that's exactly where I was going. So growth and impact, that would be, that's, that's the mid zone. That okay. is that gray zone. Okay. Now, if you, and I, since I can see you right now, when you are in the jam and you're doing your things and you're on Zoom, are you dressed belly button up or fully all the way down to your toes? No, as you can see, I didn't know we were going to be on video. So you get my exercise <laughs> self. Um, I, you know, this goes back to the vulnerability. Like Forche was distributed by design from the very beginning and as was Flexperience. So I worked remotely for 15 years. I am super comfortable in my athleisure layer. What do you say? Athleisure? <laughs> athleisure. I was going to say, is this a new word that we're coming up with? But I like it. Athleisure. <laughs> yeah, athleisure. Athleisure. yeah. And and so, you know, I wear black pants, but there there might be leggings, you know, they might and are be. We, are, we in, um, are we in our tennis shoes already? Are we in our slippers? Oh, I don't wear shoes. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. No, it's cozy so socks. So the question is, are the toes painted or not painted? They are painted because I did a COVID excursion to Hawaii. Oh, I love that. Okay. Now I have another question. What is your favorite beauty product and what is the name? You know, my dear friend is Leslie Blodgett, who's, who grew Bare um, Minerals, Bare Essentials, and their um, Prime Time, I was happy that you asked me about this, their Prime Time Primer has SPF and it like just clears the complexion and it, it's fantastic and it feels like silk. So Ooh, I, it's my everyday. We like that. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Okay, so as we move into this next generation of work, work from home, what are you suggesting to people that are interested in potentially starting a new venture? What, do, what are you recommending? Um, so it's kind of the, I guess I would say it's the, what IDEO calls the T um, in career development, which is what are you deep in that's fantastic? Right. And then how do you uh, think broadly about ways in which to apply it? So back to the listening sessions that I did um, and, and anyone does is like the market analysis, right, of understanding what what problem are you trying to solve that you can uniquely take a lens to and fires you up so that work doesn't feel like work. I mean, one of the reasons I actually don't ever feel burned out is because sometimes the work doesn't feel like work. Right. So even maybe I am working some weeks, 60 hours, maybe some weeks I'm working 30, but either because I'm in my jam, I'm so effective because I know what I'm doing that I don't have to work more hours or because I'm so absorbing new information and learning that I might have actually worked 60 hours, but it didn't feel like it. 
either way, you're going to, you're going to build something cool because you're able to have that energy, um, and ideas that will, that will differentiate your business. Mm, that's the difference between working to live and living to work. Totally love that. Okay. Well, that is a wrap for us today. Thank you so much for coming. And the last question I like to leave off with is what does a powerhouse of possibility mean to you? I think the most powerhouse thing you can do is define what success genuinely is for you. Like genuinely try to ignore the noise and listen to both your intellect and your emotional center and say, what, what, do, what are my criteria? What am I actually going to judge myself on? Yeah, that's powerful to me. So many people don't do that. So many people don't really understand what success is to them. So that is so spot on. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Sally, thank you for being here and on to the next conversation that we will be having because there are some goodies that came from this one. We will have to go over to Clubhouse and have some of these follow-up conversations. Absolutely. I'm in anytime. Thank you, Hillary. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch. If I said something today that resonated with you, will you please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others and help them find the silver linings as well. And don't forget, you can have immediate access to the show notes, any giveaways, and the links to those amazing beauty products at the Relaunch Co dot com backslash podcast. Until next time, there's always a silver lining and now is the time to hit the reset button to relaunch those transitions into transformations.